0: The History of Personal Computing History 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 Of Personal Computing The History personal computing greetings my friends and welcome back to the history of personal computing podcast i'm david and i'm joined by my co-host jeff hey jeff hey how's it going good it's been a tough week for me personally especially at work and since i know you had a very long weekend last weekend with your trip to vcf east we both agreed that we're going to take a break and just take it easy and talk a little bit about the show and um it was a three-day show, and you, you attended all three days, right?
1: No. No, I no. I was actually
0: traveling on one of them. Oh, Friday you traveled?
1: Yeah, I was there mainly for my own exhibit. I, um, I actually demonstrated a video toaster system with three cameras, which is the most cameras I ever used on a system like that, and with about three hours of prep time because Yeah, I that like was neat the with the
0: cameras. I got to see a little bit of the streaming.
1: Yeah, I'll get into that in a little bit. How um how that came about, uh, I had higher hopes for certain things, but I just couldn't get it to work right. So, you know, I just kind of MacGyvered it all together, and um, and at least on Sunday I was able to let the internet see it, see what, what was going on. Yeah. In a you know on use was it you know, did I use uStream? Yeah, yeah uStream. Was ustream. What I used.
0: So let me finish the little setup here, and then we'll move right into my interview of Jeff Salzman for the Vintage Computer Festival East 10 or X. So uh, what was the last note I had here? Oh yeah. So we will be back next time for our normally scheduled virtual classic computing museum coverage and discussions. But for this show, it's an interview with Jeff all about Vintage Computer Festival East 10. And it happened last Friday, April 17th, and it was three days. So it went through Sunday, April 19th. It was in a wall township new jersey and uh so okay so back to what we we're saying so you you didn't go friday you traveled so tell us about um when did you arrive and i guess go for there from there right now oh i left uh kind of
1: early mo- not early morning, late morning friday uh it was about a three hour drive um which was nice and we realized you're that close huh? i guess you know of kinda- well you know when you go fast enough if you know where all the police
0: cars are you can get past them fast enough um did you so, have to um like uh haul any as far as like a, a little uh, trailer or anything like that no we have a
1: a chevy traverse and when you put the seats down it has plenty of room i had let's see four rubbermaid containers uh the commodore amiga some luggage uh two amiga monitors uh, some tripods and uh, what are the loose stuff? Keyboard, that kind of stuff, um, all piled high. And it, it handled the uh, New Jersey potholes pretty good. And it was um, just you? Uh, and my wife. Oh, your wife did go. Okay, I didn't yeah. know that. She 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 went along because she needed to get out of the house for a while. She, I, yeah. I, I don't know if I mentioned she had some uh, recent surgery. You um, did to had, me. Had, had, at had uh, Well, she tells everybody else so it won't hurt for me to say this <laughs> on, on the air here. Uh she just had uh, t- uh two vertebrae uh fused together on her neck. Um one of her uh uh what do they call the discs were, were were fragmented and that had to be taken care of cuz it was pinching a nerve. Wow. But it doesn't mean she's not allowed to go anywhere, it just means she has to be a little careful. Uh but she's already 3 or so more weeks into it. Um but as long as she wears her, the the neck collar, she can travel short distances, and that's what we did. We traveled a short distance, got to the hotel room, kind of relaxed a little bit. I she stayed there uh, while I went to the show Friday evening for setting for setup, and that lasted until about nine thirty. I was I actually set up in about an hour and a half, uh, which actually wasn't bad. I was I. The table they gave me initially was like in the middle of a wall on one in one of the rooms. It's a, an elongated room, but in the middle of one of the long walls, I started to set up. And then this, this guy was in, in – um, he had this VisiCalc set up, but he had lots of classic computers. So it was sort of asked of me if I could move. I had no problem moving. Uh, so they gave me a corner space that was actually near the door.
0: But did that – because – didn't they have you next to the other Amiga display? So that moved that moved I away? I
1: thought they did, but that, that other Amiga display ended up being in a different, the, the other room, huh. which was down a ramp and in, in the older part of the, uh, it's, it's like old army barracks in a way. Yeah. Um, but they had him down there, and, and, and actually it worked out pretty good, um, having it in two separate buildings, and we each had two separate setups. His, his setup was, um, he was using an Amiga 2000 with an accelerator, uh, but his had heat problems, he was telling me. He actually had the case off of his and, and the power supply board moved aside, or the power supply slash drive sled moved aside. You can see the CPU and everything, but he said he needs to do that to keep it cool. But he had a full uh, two studio beta, uh, was it uh, Betamax tape decks for A B roll? And he had um, uh, a shuttle control and switcher for that. And it was pumped through the um, video toaster and it was going to another recorder. Uh, so he was basically showing what the video toaster can do in a television studio, whereas I was just doing three cameras and showing what might be done, say, in a school for doing video announcements or for the video file who has a little extra money to spend.
0: Oh, and you know what? Thinking about it, maybe it probably was a better thing that you guys weren't right next to each other because some people might have would have made the assumption, depending on which direction they came from like you know oh just more of the same and maybe not have looked at one of the other but for the sake of anybody that isn't as familiar with the video toaster i'm i'm guessing most people are at least a little familiar with the amiga but so why don't you just talk about that real quick so okay. what was your display and um maybe a little bit of what the video to- the whole thing is
1: okay uh, big company name in in the uh amiga world environment uh, is NewTek, a company called NewTek. They're from Kansas, I believe. I think it's Topeka or something. Anyway, they created a lot of different uh, video-based products for the Amiga to take advantage of the the graphics that the Amiga was capable of. Um, But when the Amiga 2000 came out and it was designed to have a video slot for external video functions, they jumped on that and created a a television switching device for you know NTSC video that fit in that slot. And then you run software on the Amiga and the Amiga become, becomes kind of a host controller for that card. The card would process special effects and the Amiga software, the, the Video Toaster software would let you control those effects. So the card has four video inputs, the old NTSC composite. They don't do that anymore. You know, that was called the analog years. Um, and it also supported up to three digital video frame buffer, So you can like capture an image or load an image and would be a, a digital still, but it acts as a an input. So you've seen control room stuff in big television studios. They have that panel with rows of buttons and a little T lever that they pull. Well, this puts all of that stuff, 50 to $100,000 worth of equipment and special effects generators and character or generator overlays all into one card with software. Yeah, I think it's, it's fair
0: to say the Amiga. So, you know, the killer app for the IBM PC was um, Lotus One Two Three. 2 3 Of course, there was VisiCalc ahead of that. But Lotus 1-2-3 is kind of the killer app, the spreadsheet for um, the PC. Oh, well, okay, VisiCalc for the Apple II. But anyway, and then, you know, what kind of saved the Macintosh was the desktop publishing revolution. Yes. And I think the Amiga basically brought video production like you said you know what the mac did was bring like you know thirty, forty thousand 40 thousand equipment down to five thousand dollars with a mac and so the amiga did the same thing with video and the video toaster i think probably what was the unfortunate thing was is that in the late 80s it's, video production still wasn't in a place for a lot of normal consumers so even though it's sort of because I it, uh, I remember going to the University of Florida in the late 80s, and they, they had video toasters and were using it on their own you know, television stuff. So it definitely was sort of like a revolution, but it wasn't, they didn't have the numbers, like they weren't selling it to like tons of consumers. So that didn't really equate to selling tons of Amigas necessarily. What yeah, you say? Uh,
1: that, that's, that's basically right. Uh, well, the, the, yeah, Amiga was selling for gaming market and yeah. new tech
0: but I mean, it's oh, kind of too bad because it could have been, you know, so much. Well, there more. were
1: some limitations to the graphics, but it still had reputable, uh, high color graphics.
0: I mean, for the money, for the price point, it it was the best.
1: Oh yeah, if you had um, if you had twenty five hundred dollars, maybe five thousand for a well configured setup, you have a full production studio with three or four cameras that that could go. You know, you could put that in a van and go. Uh, you can operate it from a van and and not have a whole lot of money spent. Whereas you you buy this for a, a television studio using what was on the market at that time. You're you're really talking fifty to hundred thousand yeah. dollars. Yeah. Plus a video toaster head software to lets you render three D graphics. Now the drawback to that was it didn't play it live. It actually had to be rendered to tape, and then you would put that tape in as a source to mix in later because everything was called linear editing. You had to keep up with the video you didn't not like today where you can take your video tracks and slide them together in software and and assemble and render uh-huh. and output. this was linear editing so yeah. you you ran off of the script and you had to do things at certain times but you had it all in one box hmm.
0: Now let me ask you what um, so why so why did you uh, why did you buy the you know what you you have in your collection the amigas and the video toaster and all this and oh so how about leave it at that? okay what did you own any of this stuff in the day or something you always wanted to own no
1: in in the day I had an Amiga 500 and so you I always did. wish you had this exactly <laughs> <laughs> I was one of those people that wanted one just like some of the people that came to visit the uh my exhibit they said oh I've always wanted one of these things and I said so did I
0: yeah you could have <laughs> never it took, have
1: afforded it Took the a lot time. of time my Amiga 2000, I actually got as a trade-in because somebody wanted one of my SX Commodore SX-64s. So I traded them even up for the Amiga 2000. And wh- what I did since the Amiga 500 is basically the same architecturally as the 2000. The 2000 just has a bigger case and slots and stuff. I was able to move my accelerator card over, my hard drive, and some of my memory over to the Amiga 2000. I had basically what I had with my 500 in the 2000 now on one big box. So that was convenient. Then over the years on eBay, I found a cheap video toaster card for like 25 bucks. I found software for about the same price, uh, time-based corrector, which is needed to stabilize some of the uh, NTSC video coming from the cameras. Hmm. Um, and I would say I may have spent – I want to go high on this – $300 max for what I have wow. um, to, to have the same thing that – I wanted 25 years ago when it, when the Video Toaster first came out, but is now obsolete. <laughs> you know how it is. But, I, you know, so I had this stuff and I needed an idea to take there. And I thought, you know, I'm just going to show it off. And at the same time, I'm going to have fun playing with it because there's still a lot of things that I forgot how to do and some things that I needed to learn how to do.
0: I, I think it's still one of the it's one of the few things sort of old computers, late 80s that you can look at something that it can do and still be impressed by it. Because even what you're streaming, I mean, the graphics and some of the other stuff, you can go, oh, yeah, that looks like, you know, late 80s. But the thing is, is it looks like, you know, something you'd see on the real, the actual news on broadcast television in the late 80s or the 90s. So, yeah, it's dated. But to think it's coming off a consumer-grade computer from the time, it's still pretty impressive. Yeah. The you analog
1: for what broadcasting analog cutoff was like 2009 this was still valid and usable up to 2009 for broadcast um that's that's how long it lasted and then again i think even new tech uh kept um they were able to work on the old video toasters if you had a problem with it you can send it in to have it repaired not under warranty of course but after all that time but they still serviced it up until 2009. So they stood behind their product in that sense, and all you needed was the Amiga 2000 or an Amiga 4000 to operate it.
0: So getting back to um, so your arrival and you set up Friday night. Did you go out? Go off with anybody? Did they have? Don't they have like a special dinner Friday nights?
1: They had a dinner that night, and uh, um, I, I got back. My wife was getting ready to to go out. She wanted to go to the dinner, and we went to. It's oh. like um, some some diner. Apparently, New Jersey has diners everywhere. So yeah. it was some diner, um, and they had some pretty good food. Was, I'd say about half the exhibitors were there, maybe a little more than half. Uh, so there was there was a lot of talk and stuff. You know, we were just in our own separate table. so I think every table had its own conversation going on. So a little camaraderie there going on, and then it just got really late, and I knew I had to get up early the next morning because setup was 7:30 in the morning, and I didn't want to. And and then public was going to start coming through between 10 and 10 30. And right. I just wanted to make sure everything was working. Okay. Plus that was about the only time in the morning on both Saturday and Sunday before the public came in for me to really go around and look at the exhibits, right? Because they frowned upon you walking away from your table or your exhibit, even though my wife was there. Yeah. Um, I, when it came to answering the questions, Sure, I, I'm more versed at the video toaster than she is.
0: Well, you know that's the blessing. At, I'll go and say it. The curse, not really a curse. The blessing is you get so many people, and you're talking to so many people that you you need to be there. And obviously, obviously, that's what makes it really fun, anyway. Because now, you, guess what you want to do? You want to talk about your your exhibit.
1: So yeah, the learning goes both ways, actually.
0: So when they open the doors on Saturday, and the general public. So, so what was it like? Was there a good <laughs> burst of people, or
1: there was a calm before the storm before that happened? Uh, so the it started off a speaker, bit slow. Well, the keynote speaker started at nine thirty. Ah. I don't know who the keynote speaker is. Personally, I'm not a big fan of keynote speaker activities. I'd rather just you know look at the exhibits. But if I were public, I'd I'd be sitting at the keynote speaker because it's know, really
0: hard to you know. Manage that because you're right. You, you want people to turn out for the speaker, but then again, that kind of kills off the whole exhibiting part of it. You know, so well, you can't have it both. You can't have your cake and eat it too. Well, what
1: happened was, as an exhibitor, exhibitors were only allowed in the exhibiting area. And then when the keynote speaker started at 9 30, the whole place cleared of exhibitors. And I, it was sort of like I just turned around and noticed this
0: because
1: uh-huh. uh, I was busy with my own stuff. And it was so the hall was empty. And it's like, you know, even even the consignment room was empty. I was getting some of my stuff together that I brought along for consignment sales and nobody was there to process that for me. But they had a good turnout then for the,
0: um, the keynote speaker. Uh,
1: yes. Um, yeah. The public was already paid and let in uh, by that time. And but they weren't the exhibits open when the keynote speech was over. So that was that happened to be about 10:30. So that lasted pretty long, and then everybody just started rolling in. Then it got busy. So,
0: did you uh, go listen to the keynote yourself?
1: No, I um, I'm not really big on keynote speeches. I mean, they I know they're very informative, but I was there with my equipment. I also wanted to make sure it worked, and you know I still wanted to try out some ideas. Plus. This is about an hour's worth of time where I have a chance of at least looking at the exhibits, even if I can't ask anybody about the exhibits. So it gave me a chance to go through the exhibit halls to uh, see what's out there and see what's going on. Hmm. And then later on, I can decide which ones I can ha- find time for to go actually ask some questions.
0: How many exhibits do you think there were?
1: Uh, there oh, there may have been about 20, 25 exhibits okay. or more. Right. It was quite a bit. I, I know they had trouble – fitting everybody in
0: hmm, wow it's the i mean i i'm gonna say it i think the vcf east is now the premier show i think the the first of vcf south east you know put a good fight <laughs> you know uh, still i think holds the record for the biggest turnout at least i, I don't know about the original vcf but i know well, the vcf east is you know
1: vcf East has the backing of like march uh, the Mid-Atlantic Retro Computing. Yeah, it's very established. And they also have other things for people to see there. Yes. They have the Radio and Television Museum. And they also have, well, in the infra Building, they have the March, all the, all, the entire collection that March has, uh, including that analog computer, which I did not get to see. They had an analog computer uh, there. Oh. And they, they talk about it a bit on their website, and there's some pictures around for that, too. But I didn't get a chance to see that because I think it was actually in their museum part of it. And I didn't get to the museum part of it this year. Oh, you didn't? No. It's one of those things. Last year I had plenty of time to see that because I had the TI ninety nine exhibit there and that pretty much runs itself. Once I put Flappy Birds on that system, <laughs> it ran itself. My, my daughter was a I had my daughter and my son with me last year and they they were able to just let watch people, you know, just play with it and, you know, make sure that nobody broke anything. Yeah. Um, but with the video toaster, I had a little more responsibility with you oh, know, yeah. making sure that people came to see the exhibit and, and if they had any questions, I was there to answer them.
0: So let's see. Um, so the keynote speaker, who was that? I don't know. Cause I didn't attend. <laughs> okay. Well, I think but we well, can find out. Um, no, it was, um, Bob Frankston, I think, the one of the co-creators of uh, VisiCalc, wasn't it? Is that Am okay? I, right? I knew there
1: was something else VisiCalc based there other than the one exhibit that I did actually get to oh, ask about. Oh, let's
0: see. I should already have this up, but um, oh boy. Where's the keynote? Oh, well,
1: we'll get it. Uh, sessions General.
0: Bob Frankston. Isn't that right? Isn't that his name?
1: Bob um, Saturday morning. Oh, yeah, Bob, Bob Frankston. Frankston was Sunday. The, the history of SQL.
0: Saturday Saturday morning. So that was the keynote speaker. The Bob Frankston one. Yeah. So at nine thirty a.m. the first popular desktop spreadsheet co-developed with Dan Bricklin. Was Keller that on app. Saturday? Yeah, nine thirty sessions for tent. Okay. Oh, you know. I know. What or maybe it was somebody else they, in that.
1: Well, they did say that, and I think it may have been the keynote. I, I kind of heard it in passing because uh, um, Evan was there. Um, he's a the guy who, who – who Evan Koblenz. Yeah, yeah, Evan Koblenz. Sorry. I, I talked to him by first name basis. Only I keep forgetting he has a last name. Um, he did. I think he did mention that the, the Saturday Saturday keynote speaker was ill and couldn't make it. So oh. the Sunday keynote speaker came in on Saturday. That sounds about right. I don't know who they got for Sunday.
0: Oh, uh, so it was... was it Bob Frankston or no? He couldn't make it. One of them couldn't make it. That's all right. Okay. Well, that's all right. Well, we're here to interview you and talk about your experience. That's all right. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so when did people start pour- coming into the into the exhibits again? Then,
1: about um, about ten thirty, they started rolling in, and you know, was that a good rush they, of people? They steamrolled in. Yes. Oh actually they probably hit the consignment room first to look for all the good deals so that probably buffered some of the flow and the first building they came into was the building I was in and when they walk straight in what they'll see to their left is a row of apples from from the Apple II all the way up to some of the early Macintoshes that was actually the exhibit on the corner opposite I mean, beside me and then if they'd continued clockwise they would see my exhibit then Saturday they would have seen an empty table beside me because somebody didn't show up till late and then they would have seen some Atari stuff then Commodore Amiga stuff and punch tape stuff and then rolling around the building some more they'll see a couple Commodore computers online on the internet showing how it can still be done and then the big calc display and then the TRS-80 Model 4 stuff and then the guy with the the pet computer displaying real-time graphics as ASCII by using two iPhones huh. as the source. He was actually had stereo. That was an interesting one. I'm going to gonna step aside here and, and talk about that one. I don't know if you ever heard of the Google Cardboard device. Yeah. Uh, it basically gives you a 3D view with your smartphone just by making this box out of cardboard with online plans. Actually, you're supposed to make, be able to make it with a pizza box uh, after you take the pizza out, of course. And what he did is he used that box, but he instead of one smartphone, he used two iPhones or I, iPod Touches or whatever side by side. So he had the camera part sticking out of the box on both of them. And then when you look in, you'll see the lower part of the, the screen. So it's almost has, it's like a periscope in a way. But the cameras were picking up the, – uh, the, the guy is a wonderful programmer – The camera was picking up a stereoscopic view of everything that it's pointing to. And then while you look into this goggle thing, you would see your world in ASCII art changing real time. That's weird. But then he was feeding that wirelessly to a a microcontroller that's connected to the pet. And on the pet, it's displaying that same image as a single view. Um, Hmm. So other people can see what you're looking at. And... It was, it was a wonderful looking display. I mean, it's for fun, um, but it shows what can still be done with when you mix old and new. Right. Uh, so I had, you know, I I actually tried that out later, but that's that's uh I thought that was neat. I think he was there last year. He was doing basically computer vision with ASCII art on the uh, pet computer last year. He wasn't doing it with this iPhone trick, but he was just using a regular camera and software that he had running on his uh. Uh, on his pet, but it was still neat to see. Uh, and then see the last thing in that room was dioramas. It looks like somebody gutted large twenty-one inch monitors, tube monitors, and just put computer dioramas inside, some like well, notes and information.
0: That's odd. Is that now? I've clicked on the link that's in the show notes. So the first link is to your article yes. about your experience. So is some of those pictures in here? I believe so. So I didn't bo- even read what I wrote. <laughs> And but let let's, just it. going over the pictures you have, so you have a picture of your setup with the yes. video toaster in the Amiga two thousand, and that with the Christmas the, tree in the background or whatever it is. Yeah, and then with the like a sheet, you know. Screen. Yeah, that's
1: we're not supposed to lay anything on the wall or hang anything off the wall. So that is actually um, PVC pipe okay, frame, yeah, and that's that sheet is actually a uh projector screen but it's got wrinkles in it because i folded up but that's actually projector projector screen material well that worked really well it it worked in a pinch and, and what made that table so nice in the corner is because i had a longer view i had, can have a bigger picture yeah and then you
0: had it up high which was good yes so you had it like about i don't know seven feet eight feet up maybe? yes Something like and
1: then and, and looking where i had the projector i had a lot of stuff stacked up on each other it was but was yeah, you get a, You get a good view of the video toaster uh, control screen, all the little wipes and effects on the top half of that screen. New Tech calls them croutons, because it's a toaster, and a toaster makes toast. And then you have have a picture of
0: like one of the captures. So one of your cameras Um, looking down the uh, room. People looking at um, stuff. Looking at this
1: picture, you can see one camera towards the back. It's a short camera. That's actually that was
0: from Sunday, right? Because when you're streaming this. No, this picture here is actually Saturday. So, okay. But you had the same, you have it almost like it's a TV news thing with live and the upper yes. right and a 10 on the left hand corner. Oh, okay. You must be looking at another one. Well, it's like the second picture in your article. Oh, okay. Let me get back to that. I was looking at the first one. Yeah. The first one's a picture of your setup, and then you have the like a capture.
1: Okay. Yeah. The capture. Yeah. That one, that was the projected output. I just held up my. My smartphone took a picture. It's washed out a bit because it was a well lit room. But yeah, that is actually a computer graphic overlay. That It actually said uh, 69 and it had Kiki Stockhammer at the bottom. She was the spokesperson for the new tech video toaster. Um, so all I did was go in and change that um, computer graphic effect yeah. by changing it to a 10, and Vintage Computer Festival, the live
0: was there automatically. But that was but, like yeah. the the amazing thing is it you know that looked I mean, looking at it like I said it sort of it looks like maybe late eighties early nineties sort of news caliber stuff but which is still pretty impressive though for yeah now. it's
1: NTSC it's like basically it's seven hundred by four hundred pixels well I mean so. like
0: the quality of the the fonts and all yeah that it's stuff.
1: got a little yeah <laughs> oh there are so many fonts to choose from I I couldn't have gone through them I would have run out of memory before I started using all the fonts and, uh, so I and then going down
0: so here's a picture of the uh trs-80 model fours yes yeah, so i was impressed with that display because friday night the right
1: side one he has a graphics board in that and he also has an orchestra 80 uh oh and it's that got an amber music. display it's got an amber display I, they made some like that uh that is the i forget what they called that there was um there's a gate array and there's another type of they had two different versions of the model 4 i have one that's like the one on the left yeah that's what mine looks like the one on the right has all his extra stuff he so had an orchestra 80 and it actually played pretty nice music it sounded like midi music but it wasn't it was just you know it was a tone generator and on top of that amber one he has something called the fred f r e h d it's actually an sd card adapter for the trs-80 model three four and i think they got it working on the model one now that gives you hard drive capabilities native hard drive capabilities for the the trs-80 so anything that worked with the original radio shack hard drive for the trs-80 works from that box and you can get one completely built for about 200 bucks it actually comes from australia or uh if you have a certain level of electronics expertise, you can get various levels because there's there's custom program chips on it,
0: um, and if you can program it yourself, you can buy the board for twenty bucks and have at it. That's cool, and of course, you're seeing a lot more of that. I'm going to actually be showcasing something just like that for uh, old Max, and uh, we can talk about it, I guess, when I come back. But it's called the floppy when I interview em- you. emu 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 emu. But it yeah, I, flash based I'm kind little, of a like, purist when it
1: comes to that stuff, but I can appreciate them, and and part of it is because if I would get that kind of solution for everything that I have, I'd be out a lot of money. <laughs> it just it does add up after a while, so I have to pick and choose. I think for the Fred, I think I, what I might do is I might buy the kit that would cost me about 38 bucks, and it comes with just the board, and just the pre-programmed uh, microcontroller parts and everything else I can source and, and put together myself if I need to, uh, so, and it'll so, save me a lot of money.
0: So now moving down, there's the VisiCalc display. So this is VisiCalc running on a number of different computers, right? You've got a...
1: Yes, including a, you can see it peeking out there to the left of the uh, the pet or the CBM 8032. He has an old preschool computer <laughs> toy uh, and it has VisiCalc on really? top. And you can click yeah. on these
0: pictures and you can zoom Yeah, in.
1: I have the full resolution. I actually really bought a nice. brand, new, brand new phone, so this is like a 20-megapixel picture.
0: Yeah, so there's uh, Apple II, and then a Commodore PET, TerraCity Model 1, IBM PC, Osborne 1, pro Hmm, not sure what the one above the K-Pro is. Oh, that is the Cosmic Max. VIP. Oh, yeah, look at that. Really? And had VisiCalc on it? No, but I'll, I will i that What a great display,
1: want. though. If you want, I can explain what I learned from this exhibit. Okay. Okay, this guy – actually, the table that uh, has the CBM and the Apple on it was yeah. the table I was supposed to have. Oh, okay. Okay, and and also has a TRS-80. So that's where I was going to be, a little in the shade or in, in the dark there, which probably would have worked good with the projector. But what he has – and you can see this in the picture above the um, the K-Pro. There is a VisiCalc and the Interactive Spreadsheet Resolution. He puts in where Apple II comes in at 1979 having VisiCalc. But he proposed the notion that what if, what if when single board computers were just getting their start like the Cosmac VIP? Oh, it happened then. What if somebody created, and it would be very rudimentary, but created a VisiCalc-like interface or display on A single board computer. Now that he didn't have it on in this picture, but the one video that we have a link to in our show notes, and I'll talk about that a little bit, actually shows it in operation. But the VIP actually can put out a composite signal with big blocky, almost Atari twenty six hundred size numbers. Yeah. If you know what I'm talking about, so he had like a three by four spreadsheet screen, but the program. It, it already had pre-configured um, formulas, but what you would do is you would use the keypad like the letters A through F to act as cursor keys um, to move to a certain cell and then you would type in a number and then it would then run those calculations real time and show you the result in the result column. It's simple, but back in 1977 when the cosmic Elf was out, if somebody did that and then propose to businessmen or something or investors and say, look what I can do with this. Would you be interested in investing in this, in this technology? Two years before Visical came out, it could have made a difference or an impact in the way computers were viewed by the public and by business in just two years. Because of how fast, how Moore's Law grew and how everything grew so fast in the early. And we've talked about this stuff before on the show. Sure. How things grow so fast. So that's what what this all did is showed not only here's spreadsheets running on various computers because spreadsheets were popular. um, But what if it jump started just two years prior on things like single board computers? Hmm.
0: It's a great picture too. It's a very nice display.
1: Yeah, he he did a wonderful job with that. Very nice, nice guy. Uh, oh, what was his name? Uh, um, Doug. I I'm I'm bad with names. Um, I have his name in my article. Oh, that's all
0: right. Doug Crawford. Everyone should look at your article. Then there's another picture of the early apple. Another and that corner. That nice one too. That guy actually lives like nearby
1: the the place, so he was. Yeah. He, he had everything going for him. He had not only all those computers, but I think he had spares for everything, or at least spare parts for everything.
0: It looks like uh, he's got an Apple II with a profile hard drive attached to it. He might. That's pretty uh-huh. amazing. Well he's got it on top of it with a display and oh, then Yep, there it is. And then he has the uh the, the fan on the side of it to keep it cool. Yeah. One um, of those, I'm trying to think, what are those called, those fans on the Apple IIs. But he's got the little Apple System savers? Yeah. Is that what they're called? I think it, so. Yeah. By um, fan. Oh I can't think of the company that made them. Oh. Kensington? No. Yep. yep. Was it Was yep. it the same company Kensington that makes all the yeah. Kensington lock systems and stuff? Exactly. And, okay. um, and you can see there's Apple IIc with the little display. And a plus. And then a bunch of, um, yeah, then the original Mac form factors and like SEs. Maybe and one of those. Got uh, a dual the, floppy SE. Those are kind of rare. The bright one on the right? One the, of the bright ones? He, one, um, yeah, next to the right. So he's got two floppies.
1: Yes, that one with the two floppies, I think, he retrobrighted that to that color. Uh, if you ever heard of retrobrite. Mm-hmm. It, he, he, I think he said it looked yellow like the one to the left, but he retrobrighted it and it came out really nice. So if you want to see what retrobrite actually looks like when it's done, um, that, that's what, what it does. And he said something about this system. It has two floppies and another storage device, like a hard drive, that's something that you don't normally get. I, I kind of heard that in the background. He was telling people about... I'm not too familiar with the the system to clarify that, but I think he said I have two floppies and a hard drive on this when it's not readily doable or possible. That's the only thing I could put out for that is he was doing something that was uncommon uh, for storage on on one of those Macs.
0: So I'm going to move down a little bit more. So there's a picture of Altair 680 with a paper tape reader. Yes, that uh, was an optical paper tape reader. And then also the Fairlight, which is with the keyboard. And there's a video that you can watch that's been yes. posted of that being and played. That is – yeah, they, they were playing some kind of like uh,
1: like popcorn music of some sort, you know, some really poppy. and Yeah. Uh, and I, I've i always wanted to see one in person. I'm a big fan of 80s music. So I, w- I actually got to see that in person. That's what took a lot of my time from other exhibits when for the few times I got away from my own is – to talk to the person who had that. And he was like saying, do you remember this song? And he was playing, he was playing riffs that sounded familiar, but I couldn't quite place it so because I didn't have the rest of the band backing it. So it let me recognize the song, but he played Tears for Fears and the Cars and some other things
0: on and there. Also the um, Beverly Hills cops theme. I didn't hear that personally coming out of it, but I know it probably I think it's came in out in the video of that that's been posted on YouTube. But tell me about the, um, the BBS, the experience that is
1: one I wish I could have stayed uh, longer and uh watched but basically what what he had was um, for those who weren't familiar with what a BBS was he had a and did I have a picture there I, I think yeah I there's one picture. picture let me get this picture because it helps me to explain when I'm looking at the parts in the center in that picture it looks like uh well it looks like a rack mount system that's that's basically a phone bank so I was those, to say, are all, those are all modems it, yeah, basically. Um, so he has that hooked up to a computer, which is under the table that's acting as the BBS, and connected to it. You see he has he ha- actually has a modem there, and he, he was basically showing people this is how we connected to online services like the BBS. Other people were just demonstrating, you know internet stuff he was showing the bbs experience this is what you saw this is what you saw in text these are the different kind of devices that can connect to it and he had a um, texas instrument silent 707 terminal which if you're familiar with the radio shack model 100 portable terminal with the lcd display it, they usually gave it to a lot of people who uh, were on the go like reporters and stuff well, Texas Instruments had something called the Silent 707. Or actually, it's a 700 series. They made different models. But the 707 has a roll of fax paper uh, tape, so it's like um, it's heat-based. And it also had a modem connected to it, but it was a handset-type thing. It was just a piece of plastic. So you could pull it out, and then you would take the handset from a phone, lay it on top of it, kind of like a, a, a coupler, audio coupler. And he was using that to demonstrate how – you caught up a bulletin board, the phone rang, you connected to it, and then things will start printing out on the, uh, the terminal. And then he had, I think, one other computer. It's not in the picture here. Um, one other computer that um, would show it like you know, on a computer monitor. So he demonstrated what BBSing was like. I wish I could have spent more time at that exhibit because I certainly had additional questions.
0: All right, so let's see. We'll move along. Yeah, what we have that, so many links to go over here. 30 years of Amiga exhibit. So yes. that was your your co-conspirator Amiga guys.
1: Well, actually I I first saw their video the day before. They have a pre-show video that's, you know, kind of fun to watch. They they show you oh, yeah. I watched things it. that they're they're, they're putting together. I and mean, we have the link in the show notes here. But they were doing 30 years of the Amiga and they basically uh presented the entire Amiga line. Um yeah, yeah, there the no
0: Five hundred. What the two thousand, three thousand, they even had a four thousand? They
1: had a four thousand. They also had the C D TV. Uh they had a twelve hundred, a six hundred, um, and I think they had the C D thirty-two was also there. Um, I don't see it in this picture, but I'm pretty sure they did cover everything. And then just like just like Mac OS uh operating system, they you know came in versions from you know one to whatever. Well, they also, out of all these machines, they can demonstrate every version of Workbench is what they called it, um, hmm. Amiga, Amiga DOS and Workbench yeah. um, for any of the machines. You know, the Amiga 1000, you can boot off of different floppies to get the uh, operating system. The other ones had it on like a ROM chip. So the the OS was on the, well, the Amiga DOS was on the ROM chip, and then the Workbench, which is the interface, uh, yeah. the the desktop interface, booted off of disk.
0: Now, what was the room? What's with the the burgundy frilly curtains? What is that room? <laughs> that is one of their exhibit halls. That's the newer uh,
1: exhibit hall. It was it was cleaned up. The floor was resurfaced, refinished. You had to they, they put signs up, wipe your feet before you walk in. Huh. Um, it it was just refurbished. The other room, which you can see with the Fairlight synthesizer, you kind of see behind that. Um, it was an old army barracks.
0: Well, I'm going to direct <laughs> everybody to the second link, which is Hackaday, and it's the VCF East Ten. The Mega Mix is the the article. Yes. And so if you go there, the first picture is a picture of the room. I'm that's bit, the other room. Yes. I'm more familiar with from the two times I've been to to this VCF East. I actually went to the very first VCF East in 2000. I want to say it was 2000. Yeah. And then and it was not in um, well new jersey it was in Marlborough, massachusetts the very first one oh, and so it was a, a totally different drive. place but um excuse me but this was always the main exhibit hall the the first picture here which has like the green walls and like say it looks like an army barracks or something this is where i was last year yeah and it's got the so in this first picture it's got the pdps right in the middle there or yeah they put the whole the pdp thing in there in the center um which that's pretty amazing
1: last year they didn't have that in the center it was more of an open hall but they had to fit this stuff in here somehow and you know because pdp8 was celebrating its what 50th anniversary yeah Yeah. they they had to give it some front and center yeah you basically have
0: three big anniversaries going on so you have um 30 years for the amiga 40 years for the altair and then 50 years for the pdp or pdp8 is that right or pdp A PDP-8
1: was the... uh, 50 years. 50 years. Yeah. And from what I understand, they fired a refurbished one up in one of the meetings or one of the um, lecture areas. Actually, it was out in a tent. They had two tents, and they had two different uh, uh, lectures and demonstrations going on. They fired up a PDP-8 that's been just freshly um, rebirthed,
0: Um, So refurbished. So there's a lot of great pictures on this article you got pictures of the PDP and, uh, and this is what is called. a. do you refer to this very first PDP eight as a, is it called a straight eight? That's what a lot of people refer to it as. I think, you know, a, I,
1: I wish I did have more time to ask more questions about the PDP. eight. in fact, when I walked by them, I wanted to touch the machines. I it's got the big
0: put... back plane that sits up on top of it. And it would I'm have not familiar with the glass the covers, but,
1: um, I respect the line. I just not familiar with it. I know they have all these little cards that you can put in that do things. And yeah, uh, it, it probably took a, a degree to run the thing.
0: We <laughs> got some good pictures of that. Uh, the fair light.
1: Yes. And he has a video.
0: Yeah. Videos in here.
1: Showing an operation.
0: A Working Lisa one. Apple Audio yes. is called.
1: I saw those. Unfortunately, I had to walk past those. But near that same table were some Newtons.
0: An Apple one. Looks like a real. I, I wonder if that's a reproduction.
1: Which one? The uh, like the consignment shop. Apple?
0: Yeah, that there's an Apple one here. Uh, yeah, so, somebody did have one. The, in... March does have a or their museum. They do have a reproduction one. So I wonder if that might be it. Oh, there's the Apple one. Okay, I had to scroll down a little. Yeah, further. An Apple Two C. So. I thought they—they're showing the consignment That's right. There was shop. a reproduction. I there's been... some cool stuff at the consignment here at this show. Oh yeah, there's a e-mate.
1: Yeah, you know, a picture of one of my items is here in the. Uh, oh yeah. The money decisions two for the Vic Twenty. That that has my tag letter on it.
0: Did anyone? Yeah. Did anyone uh, buy it or get it? I don't know. Actually, I posted at the bottom of this page to see if
1: somebody bought it. I didn't unpack yet, so. I still have a box I took two boxes of consignment stuff that was part of what I brought and each box is about half full now so I know I sold about half the stuff um, I oh, made 114 f- bucks after after the you know 15% to to the house. Um, I made about 115 bucks selling stuff
0: pretty much on the cheap. So now did they, uh, did they pay that out before you left?
1: Yes what they do is they, they take care of all the purchases in the consignment room. And they tally it. You know, you mark all your items so they know whose is whose and who gets the money. And then at the end of the uh, second day, at the end of Sunday, they they tally everything up. They take their cut, and then you get a list of. Uh, since my list wasn't per item, my list was like per type of item. Yeah, there wasn't an accurate count of what sold, um, but I agreed to okay. I sold about. I sold about $130 worth of stuff, but there's a 15% that goes to the house, so it, that's about 114 bucks is what I took home. I said, that's fine with me because I was thinking, oh, if I get $40, bucks, i will be happy. Yeah. But <laughs> the stuff sold. I sold a couple 300 bald modems, you know, VIC modems. How much? Uh, I think I had them priced at about uh, 8 to $10 each. Okay.
0: That's a good price.
1: And they were boxed. You know, one of them was still sealed in the box. And it's like, I, you know, I could have nitpicked some of the stuff I had and say, well, this is – this is worth so much because I can get this much on eBay. And I'm thinking, you know, if I sell it on eBay, I'll end up with 3 bucks for it
0: hmm. after
1: everything. So I figured I'm just going to price box software at 5 Um, Certain items I put a specific price down for because I knew they had some value. But that was just two or three items, maybe three or four. And then um, I, I had the tags on from last year still. So I had an H tag and I had some H tags with a little star beside them and I thought they must have been worth a little bit more. so anything with an H star is eight bucks, anything with an H is five bucks and you can put down like what the the least amount you'll take for it. I just dropped it a few bucks for each one. by Sunday, Sunday rolls around and said, you know what? just use the low price on everything. I didn't want to carry so much of it back.
0: Um, so we have um, so we have a number of links in the show notes. Everybody, check those out. We have a couple other things to talk about. We're going to keep it to a rather shorter, short show. But how was the weather? It,
1: the first day was wonderful. It was in the seventies and we had, that's why I was glad we were near the side door that led to the porch where people would sit down and relax and watch cars go by and look at the swampy lake that's nearby. Um, So we had a nice breeze coming through. It was great. The weather was perfect. I mean, it's absolutely perfect. Uh, Sunday rolls around. And we closed that door right away. Because oh. every time it opened, it felt like you're walking in from a snowstorm. Really? Yeah. It was just cold. It was a little bit of cloud but cover. At least it didn't rain. It didn't rain. That's, that's what was really lucky because it could have. A week prior, they were calling for a 90% chance of rain. But you know how springtime weather can you know, change at a drop of a hat. But the weather held out really good. It was great for setup and for tearing down.
0: Did you hear anything about like attendance numbers? No, I did not. I think I um, asked you this, like I texted you or something. Is it like it was maybe about the same as last year? It was busy enough. I would say it's, it's which is good by right? comparison. Yeah, I'm sure they got like a, a couple hundred people, people on today. Saturday and maybe less, a little bit less. Half as that, half as much on Sunday, maybe. Uh, yeah, something like that. I would
1: say half. Hey, I say a little bit more than half. There was it was still busy on Sunday. I mean, some people probably only came for one day, whether it was Saturday or yeah, Sunday. Yeah. Uh, But those who really wanted good deals in the consignment room came early. And I'm mad because I missed out on something I've always wanted in the consignment room. Apparently, in the middle of Sunday, somebody came with all this hardware, including a Heathkit microprocessor trainer, which I've always wanted to get. And it was a feeding frenzy. Wow. And and I could see that room at an angle from where I was at, but I didn't hear the frenzy. I didn't see the stuff come in. And I'm mad because I could have picked up one of those trainers in working condition for 5 bucks. Wow. Instead of the fifty to hundred they go for on eBay, uh, even if it didn't work at f- five bucks, if it looked good, I could get it working. It's just I missed out on a great opportunity, uh, you know.
0: And that's how it is when you, when you're an exhibitor. Sometimes you miss out on this stuff. But... Did you? Um, where you stayed? Were there a lot a lot of other um, exhibitors? Did you stay at like the the main hotel where all the most exhibitors stayed, or? Uh,
1: I think they were scattered about. I. I put a little extra money into where I stayed. I stayed the same place I stayed last year, which is the, uh, I keep wanting to say Sheraton, but the Sheraton's right next. Um, mm-hmm. oh, what no. is it? No, it was, uh, um,
0: Is a sweets. Oh, um, uh, town suites maybe, or, you no. <laughs> it's, it's all right.
1: Lodging. You know, it, it's, it's actually on their lodging page. I think it was stay bridge Oh, okay. Yeah.
0: That's
1: where I stayed last year. It's, it wasn't bad. They, they, they're nice. Um, Last year, they upgraded me to a bigger room because I had my kids with me, and they just gave me a, a two-bedroom suite uh, because of that. Wow. Uh, my We we would have had two doubles and a couch uh, that folded out uh, last year. Uh, they gave me two-bedroom suite, which had two doubles and then another room with a king bed. So that worked out great.
0: So you think you're <laughs> uh, going to go every year?
1: I think so. In fact, I, I think I might do my so video. you can drive thing. there. It's kind of... Oh, it's a yeah, no-brainer. It's not that far. I think next year I, I'm going to do the video toaster thing again, uh, only because now I have a lay of the land and I understand what works. I'm going to see if I can't ha- let have them let me position my cameras throughout both buildings, and I just run a stream.
0: That would be great. See, that would be really that would be a major thing. That people they would ha- check in on the show at any time.
1: Exactly, and and they have they have Wi-Fi, um, so. And that's kind of how I was able to stream what I did in a pinch. I I told you I upgraded my mobile phone, so I still have my old phone. That's what streamed. Yeah. Uh, I just propped that up on top of everything you saw on my computer. I actually propped it up on top of the projector, and I aimed it towards the projector. Well, that would be pretty neat. They had Wi-Fi, and I streamed just the view of what I was projecting. So those who did look at the stuff on Sunday, that's what you saw. And I know there was a lot of static... Images you could still still see people moving around, but I left it on the same screen for a while because I was walking away from my exhibit, looking at some of the other
0: ones. Were there any other pod- Did anyone do a podcast from there, or did you meet any podcasters? Not that person? I know That's of,
1: but I'm well. A... You know, Hackaday was there. Yeah. He did stuff. Okay. It's as far and as uh, yeah. And there was a uh, you actually when you, one of the links in the show notes does show a few people who did YouTube stuff. Retro Gamer did stuff. Let's see, Hackaday did stuff. Uh. Hmm guy named Chrono S. Trigger did stuff.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and there was another person who's actually on the Hackaday page. They, they mentioned Ashbury Park. And I, <laughs> I'm kind of upset that I didn't spend time in Ashbury Park. I did not remember. I knew of it, but I did not remember they had a pinball museum there. And it was a sh- very short drive from uh, where I was staying. Oh, well, now I know better next year.
0: So we're going to talk about just a couple of other. Uh, we're going to talk about two other VCFs real quick before we sign off. But is there anything else, anything else about VCF East? Uh, you I, I want can say go
1: there next year. Uh, it can't be any less than what it was this year. It's it's expected to be busy. And if you like anything, you know, I should somebody should bring a um, Sinclair ZX eighty one exhibit. I have not seen one in the two past two years, uh, but I bet it would work. No, I you, do you think
0: one. next year you'll you'll go for the Friday as well?
1: It depends on... You just uh, not, any, don't care that any much about all
0: workshops and speakers I, and stuff.
1: I'm like. not, no. I, I'm a hardware person. I like to look at the stuff. Last year, I listened to Dave Haney speak because uh, I yeah. also asked him to sign my uh, Amiga 2000. You can see it in the picture. Dave Haney signed it because the Commodore guys were there.
0: Yeah.
1: They live nearby. Um, and, let's see, Bill Hurd was there too. He was roaming around. I didn't get to talk to him too much, and, and I forgot to bring a Commodore 128 for him to sign. Um, but yeah, you, I, that's, that's the only one I attended last year this year. I didn't attend any, and I don't, f- I mean, I'm sure it's good information, but personally I didn't miss them because there was so much other stuff to look at.
0: Okay. Well, so I'm going to mention, so there's another show that's coming up in my area, which I'm going to be attending. I'm actually going to have just a small little, um, table and nothing too extravagant it's just called the the theme of my table is the machine that changed my life so for the first time i'm actually going to display some macs and macs have always been very significant in my life and um so i'm going to display a couple old macs and a imac g4 which i never owned (laughs) and as far as the max my Macs or whatever and just um i'm also going to showcase some um um productivity software the work software which i have a little collection of so you have microsoft works claris works beagle works and great works a lot of people have never heard of so I, yeah that's kind of interesting yeah the work stuff was pretty popular for yeah a and, time and um but anyway so so the vcf southeast which is 3.0 will be happening in uh well, i had a calendar here two weeks right so yeah, I hope your that, stuff works so, yeah, it'll be May. Do you know what? I had the stuff. I have the two old Macs. I have a Mac Plus and I have an SE. And I, I've got them all cleaned up in the garage, set up on a table. They both have external uh, hard drives and uh, wiped down, all cleaned up, booting. Everything's great. And no kidding. Last night, I'm out there working on you know, firing them up again, and the one won't boot. The SE will not boot off the hard drive now.
1: That was what I was afraid of so, with my uh, Amiga. I'm, yeah. surprised it
0: last, I'm surprised it lasts two whole days. So, so I'm going to be messing with that. But anyway, so that's two weeks from now. And uh, that's Saturday, May 2nd, and Sunday, May 3rd. It's in Roswell, Georgia, which is uh, north of Atlanta. I live in, you know, in the Alpharetta uh, area. Roswell is right next to us. So there's a link in the show note to that. And um, so I want to mention that. Why don't everybody help spread the word, let it, let it turn into a great show and a good turnout. They're, they also have a Kickstarter campaign going on. And, uh, and it's almost to its goal. So not bad. I'm waiting for it to load here. <laughs> so I think it has like forty hours left. Looks like you have a fair amount of. So actually, when this when this show goes out tomorrow morning, there'll be just just enough time people can help put this over the top. So yeah, fifty little, years of basic. So there's only a hundred and like sixty something dollars to go. It's not bad. They make their goal. So back them. Back VCF SC 3.0. and then what's the other link? Oh, there's a the Facebook page. Okay, then the last thing I want to mention, and me and you, Jeff, were talking about this. So there's the Vintage Computer Festival Midwest 10 is coming up. And uh, it is in Elk Grove Village, Illinois, which is outside of Chicago. Chicago, and it's, bang, it's, bang. It's in the summer. So it's Saturday and Sunday, August 29th and 30th. And um, I want to bring up the other link. It is in conjunction. Is that the right word? With uh, Yeah, it sounds like the right the, word. <laughs> right. With the... This always cracks me up. The Emergency Chicago Land Commodore Convention, or is that how the E C C C C? Really? Is I, I didn't realize. Oh yeah, yeah. The they always they're it. always together. Or well, they it's have just another less. good reason to go. The Bureau of Relocation and Reeducation of the Emergency Chicago Land Commodore Convention announces your ten of our enduring and <laughs> Ben Sopick <laughs> five year plan. The tenth free thinking E C C C event. Funny. So and I went to this event. I want to say it was 2011. I went. And it was really good, and it, it's a it's a smaller show, but it's it's a, still a good turnout, and it's it's kind of a more intimate show in a way where um, the convention area I think it's in the same place, but it was like right next to the hotel, and and so everybody stays in the hotel, and that's all cool. Yeah, they uh, they mentioned they have two big exhibit halls. So me and you are talking about us going.
1: Yeah, what are we gonna do? Something
0: for this show, or
1: just go and, and be? Oh well, be a I mean, visitor?
0: Now you're saying you'll you can drive. I'll have to fly, so I could I could definitely. Yeah, I'm not
1: gonna swing down by uh, Alpharetta, Georgia, yeah. and drive back up again.
0: Well, I tell you one thing. What I could bring would be my um, smartphone collection. That would fit in a briefcase, and you know, and it's it's getting where I think it's um you know it's, it's computer history. The first iPhone, the first Google Android phone, the uh, BlackBerry things like that. Some handhelds. I could certainly bring that with me, but I don't know. We can worry about that,
1: but yeah, I might have to consider a table. A I table's think we only can... 30 bucks or no. What are tables for?
0: I think they're tables free. are free
1: for exhibitors. Yeah, yeah, that's right. They're making all their money off of donations.
0: So, so uh, but I think we're going to, we're going to, um, I haven't spoke to my wife yet, but I think she'll be okay. Maybe she'll go. Then it gets yeah, for me, it's about
1: 640 <laughs> mile drive each way. But when you compare it to the cost of flying and the cost of uh, a train, it's actually cheaper. If gas even holds... But you know, if you get free...
0: it, because chicago's a major, major airport, if you uh, buy your ticket out ahead of time, get a deal. Mm. You, could you know, I haven't flown in 20 bucks. years
1: and I'll, I'll probably, they'll probably waste eight hours, you know, eyeballing like, me at uh, TF. You, know,
0: you don't want to uh, be treated like cattle and...
1: No, <laughs> I don't. Um, yeah, flying would be the quickest, but uh, I don't mind watching the uh, you know sightseeing when I drive. Yeah, I, mean, I I've driven from here to Detroit already for a uh, for um, a Maker Fair that I got free. Yeah, I got free tickets worth forty bucks to Maker Fair, and I spent five hundred dollars in the weekend getting there, getting the room, and getting getting back. Um, <laughs> it, it seems odd, but and we're. Uh, Oh, go ahead. Uh I so I think
0: Chicago is another seventy miles further, so no big deal. And we're about to do a little driving myself, my family. Um, we're heading down this weekend to Florida to visit some relatives. And you know, I was born and raised in Florida, so was my wife. Neither one of us has ever been to the Kennedy Space Center, and we're going to go. And um, it's about time. Well, and both of us were, uh, you know, we're in IT. Both. Well, my wife isn't anymore. She's in. Uh, learning and development department in her company. So, But we, we both worked at a NASA center. I don't know if I ever told you that. I worked at NASA Langley in Hampton, Virginia for four and a half years, which is very historic as far as all the space missions and everything. But again, having born and raised in Florida, not ever going to Kennedy Space Center is kind of sad, but we're going to go. So That's, what we <laughs> that's like me if I those. don't go to Hershey Park. But that's a bit of a drive because it's like um, from here, it's about six hours to the Jacksonville area and then another two hours down there. So, um, any so, you know what? So, so back the VCF Southeast, check out all the links about the East show and, uh, and everybody, uh, tell us, tell us if you went to the VCF East, tell us if you're going to the Southeast and, uh, and maybe put your sights on the Midwest show. These are the three main, sh- these are at, uh, these are the three VCFs these days. So let's, let's support them.
1: Yep. I wonder if, uh, Randy Kindig is going to be at the, uh, Midwest show. Oh, he's well, close. I wonder. I'll ask him.
0: We'll yeah. When done it, he's
1: done, he's got something coming up. He's got an exhibit at this. Yeah. Moment. We're, we're yeah. going to be
0: podcasting together from this show. Yeah. And I know that maybe Dude, you, you find free Wi-Fi. It. Call me. I'll see what I can do. Yeah. Maybe you might build to. you know what? I I'm going to see if I can borrow a, a hotspot from work maybe. So we'll see. Cause if I yeah, just audio used it for the show, that'd be all right. Audio doesn't take up too much bandwidth. Nah. All right, we're going to keep it short. We're probably pushing around an hour, normal show, so that's not bad. So guess what? We're going to do our next show in only one week. Bonus. So it'll yeah. be uploaded next Friday, May 1st. And we are uh, we were wrong, Jeff. We were talking about the IBM PC, but that's the next show. That's the secret show. So we're actually doing the TR 80 Color Computer and the ZX Spectrum. Which one would you like to do? Uh, Do you mind if I do the Coco?
1: No, of course not. It gives me an excuse to pull mine out and see... If it runs again, and In which uh, one do you have? I have the Coco. I don't have the Spectrum. Well, I mean, uh, do you have which Coco? Oh, I'm sorry. I have the two. I okay. had a one a long time ago, but I sold it.
0: And it's beige, right? It's beige. Yeah. Okay. Only the first. <laughs> oh, no, one it's was probably summer. yellow. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but that'll be a good show. Back to the the normal format. Um, you can check out all our show notes, everything we're doing at historyofpersonalcomputing.com. dot com, and we uh, both have Twitter accounts and uh the show does and you can also go to facebook so please do that help popularize what we're doing send us your feedback at feedback feedback at history of personal and uh, again popularize the show tell people please help us out post it leave us reviews take a moment just do a quick review on itunes i have one question for you yeah you uh do tech support for max don't you yeah
1: (laughs) I have a Mac. Okay. I have a MacBook now. Do you really? Personally, yeah. I okay. got one of the white polycarbonate ones. Yeah. And I'll tell you the story. My story is I bought it for 840 bucks. 800. <laughs> yeah. That's because it came with a brand new MacBook Pro, which my wife got. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, we found a really good deal on a on a open box special, and she it was it's her polycarbonate uh, white Mac MacBook. Um, she wanted the MacBook Pro. It was a real good deal. Open box. They said it had a scratch on it, but it actually wasn't a scratch. It was a piece of tape goo. Yeah. Clean, clean. Really? So it looks brand new. Still has the original Apple warranty to December of this year. Cool. And it was only $840 instead of you know twelve hundred Best Buy price. Yeah. So I got her old Mac with which I just installed additional memory on to speed it up. Right. It really does make a difference. And now I have a Mac. And I plan to do some um, basically ios development on it someday yeah um the problem is one little one little thing i can't figure out i'm i know you can use two fingers to scroll yeah but a scroll bar appears on windows but then it disappears if you don't move your pointer over fast enough yeah i'm so used to scroll bars is there any way to get that to appear
0: i think so because it doesn't hover over and appear i just didn't know if there was i'm pretty sure that in the system preferences and uh I don't really like that either. And why haven't I ever changed it myself? I don't know. I'm kind of like that. I've always sort of left it the way it is, even if I don't like it, which is dumb. Well, it probably helps for tech support too. Uh, <laughs> but there's people. a way, um, there's a way I, I think of, of, making it where they appear. Look under general, maybe. Yeah. Show scroll bars. Always. There's a, now I'm looking at, okay. you know, uh, Yosemite, but I'm pretty sure that's been around. Yeah, I, I upgraded to Yosemite also. I, and, I you know that like the, the back best upgrade you could do for that or any older, you know, PC laptop or Mac. And I'm not sure how difficult or easy it is to get inside that, but um, it's pretty, it shouldn't be too bad, is put an SSD in it. It'll make a I, big difference. I had to my...
1: cover off today. I, I actually got it on Monday. Yeah. Um and yes or Tuesday I bought the memory on Amazon for it. I bought it had two mm-hmm. one gig memory modules. I bought two two gig memory modules to bring it up to four okay i understand it can go up to eight yeah but it's not supported um four
0: probably would be okay for what you. Just it actually did doing. make a difference in speed i yeah. was surprised because when i was looking at if you're not some doing any heavy lifting with it four should be fine i just was still lo- like run i was just trying to load safari and something
1: else at the same time <laughs> and then then it slowed down then i looked at some of the running stats the runtime stats and the the system performance and my memory was maxing out to like 90%. So I knew it was going to be doing a lot of page swapping. Uh, So adding that extra bit of memory really made a difference, but still chasing that scroll bar. I was like, you know, I felt like, you know, a dog chasing its tail.
0: (laughs) And here's, here's a great utility for like backing it up or making a clone or especially if you replace a hard drive and put an SSD carbon copy cloner. That's what it's called, okay. and it's, it's like my best friend on the Mac. I use it. We use the Pro version at work because it's well worth any the money for it. So I image our Macs at work with Carbon Copy Cloner. So instead of was it Time Caps or whatever that is? Um, well, the Disk Utility you you can make images and all that stuff, but the Carbon Copy Cloner is just a lot easier. So I highly recommend that. All right, let's get off the Macs, and right. uh, see you next time. See you <laughs>
1: next week.